Hi, I'm Anthony Casey, and welcome to episode 13 of Training Talk and Truth. Craig Huffy and um, Craig it runs a class in Carlo called Exercise Autism and it's currently doing his PhD in the effects of exercise intervention on children with autism. I got that correct, didn't I? Yeah, you did, yeah. Um, so how did you become involved in exercise autism? Um, so I suppose it all came from the research masters uh, which has now been transferred into a PhD um, and that started um, three years ago now. Um, so it, it came about from there. Um, I suppose during the summer, I kind of found an area that children with autism didn't or couldn't partake in sport or there wasn't as much um, help for them in sports. Um, like take, for example, GAA with a higher number of kids uh, in the field. Um, but it's the same for every sport. Um, it's kind of hard to get a, a ratio of like a, a low number of kids to a high number of adults um, who might need some extra needs, um, be that sensory, behavioural, communication. Um, so that's why exercise and autism came about, um, to try and break down the exercise movements for the children, um, to try and show them how to do the exercise uh, and then try and progress it to a game and hopefully then from that they could actually go into more sports that is on weekly for for every ch children or or every child um in the country i suppose and the idea is to kind of younger age you catch them they, they build up the basics then basically is it and they can yeah exactly so um like i have children coming to me now um a couple of weeks and um before i even tell them or show them what we're going to do by just seeing an object they can tell me what we're going to do um and like even something as simple as uh, keeping a balloon up in the air um after a couple of weeks that can be progressed to trying to keep it up uh with another individual and then progress it to a volleyball uh type exercise so that child then can move from just keeping a balloon up in the air into volleyball yeah okay very good and how long are you are you up and running here um, it's obviously the room where you where you do the exercise in yeah so uh every saturday exercises in here um half 12 to half one is the first class and then half one to half two uh, and we've been going since uh, july the 6th um so i think it's around 16 or 17 saturdays is what we have completed so far uh, and we have another seven then before before christmas can you tell me right so Basically, if, if you're to define what autism is for people, you know, so now my understanding of autism now um, is, and this is just from reading different, because I know a lot of, there's a lot of different things out there yeah. sometimes. So my understanding of it was that it employs individuals with issues in, in three main areas, communication, social interaction, and range of interests. But can you give a better definition? Yeah, so uh, it's a it's a developmental disability, um, and one in fifty nine children actually have autism at the minute, and that's the most recent um, counts. Um, so, like you said, uh, deficits in communication, social interaction, um, and then some stereotypical behaviours. Um, so, like 
when uh, when you look at the definition of autism, I suppose everyone does have some sort of autism or they're on the spectrum uh, somewhere. Um, but then obviously that ranges uh, in severity. Um, so like the kids that I'm dealing with would be kind of higher on the uh, on the spectrum. So it'd be moderate to severe um, children with autism. Um, and that stemmed from, I suppose, the autism units in Ireland. Um, and they are the children who have been tested psychologically um, by a, a doctor um, and then need extra assistance or are put into a, an autism unit as part of a mainstream school uh, just to help them cope better with school. Um, but it would be them three kind of areas um, that would be the main uh, areas that you would find a child with autism. Um, and even looking at some like questionnaires that, that I've been using in, in some of the schools, uh, like simple things like walking on tiptoes would be uh, something that a child with autism would, would do. Um, some stimulating behaviours like vocalisation, so screaming or shouting, um, or even flapping hands by the face or at sides. Uh, there'd be some, some of the the things you would see with a child with autism. Yeah, and it, uh, because the, it's funny when you said the one in 58, is it? One in 59. One in 59, yeah. because I remember from, I was looking up a few different uh, things on this and there's TED Talks on it, and every year that it seems to change, but obviously they say autism is being diagnosed a lot, a lot more now. Oh yeah, so they're saying that it's, it, there's a lot more people with autism now, but it's, I think it's probably rather we're understanding it or, you know, we're, we're catching it now. Yeah, you know, we know what we're looking for now. You know, we didn't know what autism was years ago because I had a number one in '88. Mm -hmm. I think that was from a video put up two years ago or something like that. So obviously now it's one in '59, which is a lot more. Yeah, and then I also came across the fact that um, the boys are affected four to one ratio as well, and they don't know why. There's a lot of <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of things where they're, they're still learning about it, I suppose. And then it's it's new as a research kind of topic almost. Oh yeah, it definitely is a new area, um, and I suppose that's where my masters and PhD is coming into it. That there's um, there's a lot of new areas that haven't been researched uh, at the minute, uh, and like you said, more boys are being found to have autism, um, and I suppose that's that could be from um, girls develop developing um, a lot quicker than boys. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of harder to, to see in a girl and it's caught later. Um, I know from my classes and the, the research that I've been doing over the last two, three years, uh, I've had a lot more boys in my classes um, than girls. So it is, it is true that that fact is true. Um, and like autism is increasing every year, um, but I don't think it's uh, that people are just being born with autism now it's it is just an understanding of it and there's more categories coming into it um and i suppose we're finding out more and more um symptoms of autism yeah it's true and you know i was trying to look up some causes um and it was saying things like some causes some causes they think maybe are genetic um the father's age when the child's conceived um they think some some chemicals like in the epileptic medication, stuff like that. Um, and they obviously shut down that. There was a big idea that vaccinations had something to do with it, but that's um, not true, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like, 
the vaccinations, I suppose, are getting a, a big hit at the minute. But like when we were younger, everyone got the vaccinations. Um, but like it's not like more of us who are being diagnosed with autism. It's just that uh, it can be caught in some people early uh, and then some people are, are getting caught later with it or being diagnosed later. Um, but it is just down to doctors and individuals knowing what it is and how it, I suppose, develops in, in, in everyone. Um, but like, if you looked at a list of 100 different uh, symptoms of autism, you could probably pick out... 10, 20, 30 um, that you might relate to uh, or that you could see in yourself. Um, and even I've looked at lists and I've said, well, 50% of them are me or have been me as as a child uh, growing up, but like I haven't been diagnosed with autism. So I suppose we are all on the spectrum at, yeah, at some stage. The spectrum is quite large, isn't it? Even when I was looking up, I was doing a little bit of research for this. Talk, yeah. And I was thinking to myself, well, I do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you said, like it's so, so broad, but... There was a couple of things um, I did realise, you know, that there's a lack of ability to abstract, and maybe this is more on a severe scale of autism. I was um, reading the example was if, you know, familiarity is obviously very important for, for children with autism, but um, if they're used to a kitchen area, and if you go and move a chair one day, you know, it's like a different room to them, yeah. you know, where it's the same kitchen for us, mm -hmm. you know, just with the chair moved. Or to them, it's like a completely different space. Yeah, and uh, like just, I suppose, their space, what they know and what's familiar to them is is all they know, really. Uh, and when you do change it up, there is a, a big upset. Um, and that would be one thing that I bring into my classes is kind of a routine. Um, so every day we'll try and start with the same game or uh, we'll start in the same position so in the middle of the hall here I put down mats and that's where we all join um, and when I sit down and Emma my volunteer sits down as well um, all the kids know that we're starting now so they come and sit down and then we'll explain the first game to them um, so it's a familiarity and a routine that the, the kids like yeah um, comfortable with it, yeah they? exactly yeah. yeah and for that reason is would they placing the equipment in the same place each time or would that come into it or not uh, it does and it doesn't. Uh, one big thing that I have found out the hard way, I suppose, is that when you are setting up for um, the exercise classes, you can't set up ahead of time. Um, some children don't like um, things out of place and they'll put it back. Um, so I've often had hoops out here half an hour before the class starts and one child will walk straight and pick up all the hoops and put them back to where they usually are. Um, and that child won't let the hoops be put out until he or she knows that that's what we're going to do. Um, so I suppose placing the equipment, you can't do it beforehand, but when... When it actually when the class does start, yeah, you can place it in the same position uh, or the same part of the room, and yes, familiarity that way, the child will know what we're going to do and will understand it a small bit better than if you start moving things around uh, as time goes on, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and your you said your class runs off a process of uh, visual modelling and video yeah. for for your schedule. Explain exactly what, what you mean by that. Yeah, so uh, beforehand, either myself uh, or we would have got a child to uh, perform the exercises. Um, we would have recorded that child. Um, and then we have a, 
a story app um, on the iPad to put the videos in. Um, with the videos then we have pictures and words around the videos um, as to what exercise or what action the child has to perform. Um, so that's the video side of it. Um, then with the, the picture scheduling, um, we just have pictures of uh, different uh, segments of the exercise. Um, so if it was a throwing, it would be where to throw the ball from and where to catch the ball from. Um, and from that then we just have Velcro stuck on the back of the pictures and the children can pull and um, make up the story themselves, I suppose. Um, and then with that, we also have a to-do and a done list. So the children can see that today, this is what we have to do. And as we do the exercises, they can pull it off, put it on the done list and then the see what's left to do and what we have done um so it's kind of it's more of a timing thing for the for the children to see structured routine kind of exactly yeah yeah um and it, i suppose it all comes from the children being in school the routine that's there they would be given uh, picture schedules or pecs um and i suppose it's just trying to follow follow that sort of routine that might be in school or at home um and trying to bring again familiarity and routine into the, the exercise classes as well yeah and then how, how did you, you obviously did research, plenty of research before you started up this because you'd have to know all that stuff yeah. going into this, you know, um, is that, that's, that's research that's been out a while, is it, the, the whole structure and then, um, the visual modelling and, and because obviously, you know, someone had to find out the hard way, that's, that's to how, how are we going to get this working? Yeah, uh, I suppose, like, when I did start two years ago, it was just nearly trial and error to see what would work. Um, some kids like the videos, some kids like the pictures, um, some kids don't like either. Um, so it's trying to understand each individual case. Um, so every child is different. Um, I've seen a quote that if you've worked with one aut autistic child, you've only worked with one autistic child. They're not all the same. Um, so. I suppose when a, when a child has come in here, um, it's down to communication with the parent to see, is that how the child is taught at home? Um, is there any sort of a reward scheduling that the child might like? So if the parent is bringing a child to get ice cream after the class, uh, maybe that might be a way to try and incentivize the child to do exercise um, or to perform an action. Um, like I know it, it might not be the best way to do it, but if a parent is coming here and they want their child to do exercise, um, to have a reward at the end of the exercise program, it is nice for a child that they can do the exercise and then see a reward that they've done a good job. Um, yeah, and like, it's not just for children with autism, I suppose we're all motivated by something at the end of the day, like, if we're going to do exercise, you might say, well, I've done exercise this week, I'll have a takeaway on a Friday night, so it's your reward at the end. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can tell you, so how exactly does exercise help or impact children with, with autism, neurologically kind of? Yeah, so um, like my research is on the behaviours and fitness levels um, and it's an eight-week exercise intervention. Um, so that's why I suppose I implemented the, the same kind of programme in the Saturday exercise and autism classes. Um, so like we've seen that stereotypical behaviors have been decreased in children with autism after 
um, the eight-week exercise intervention. And that's just what uh, I'm doing. Um, eight, eight weeks, yeah. Um, now, like, it's not going to change every child. Uh, everyone is different. Um, and each case will, in their severity, will differ as well. Um, but, like, from the majority, and this has done, been done statistically as well, that their stereotypical behaviour changes, uh, kind of social interaction improves. And that, I suppose, comes from, in my classes, there's maybe four kids in the class, so they're interacting with other children in the class as well. Uh, in the schools, we're working with six kids uh, per class. So again, they're working in sixes compared to some of the research that has been out there with children with autism where it's been looking at a running program so it's one on one uh horse riding again you're on your own uh swimming you're on your own um it might be um dance you might be in twos maybe um so like a lot of the research out there at the minute has been done singly uh whereas i suppose this is one of the first research projects and i suppose the exercising classes to come out with uh, a, a bigger number so to try and improve the social interaction and as we said that was a, a problem yeah um so like they're two big areas that improves um yeah, so, at least, like, and, and what, so when you're doing an exercise here and I'll probably ask you to, to run through it later on a little bit, but um, do they, is it a one-on-one -on -one thing? Do, do, they, do they take turns or, um, like you said, are they interacting with each other while doing the exercise for, for most of it? So um, we try and get the parents involved as much as we can. Um, so if a child, like I gave you the example of the balloon, if a child is keeping up the balloon on their own, uh, we'll try then get them to hit it back and forth to their parent uh, and then if they've progressed from that we can try and introduce a child then uh, of the same age that can do or perform the task um, proficiently as well um, so trying to interact that child um, like I haven't got to the stage in the exercise and autism class at the minute yet that we can progress uh, some throwing um, objects so like at or the end game for throwing would be dodgeball uh, with soft spongy balls yeah. uh, so in the schools we've got to that end stage with the older kids um, so first throwing into a, a, a target or into a bucket then throwing to a partner and then um, two sides playing dodgeball normally um, so same game throw once you're hit you're out um, so like that's where the end game is to get to uh, and every week we're going to try and progress it or uh, push it out that we can get to there so yeah hopefully at the end or at some stage they'll be playing or interacting with children of sports yeah, yeah exactly and is this just beneficial in terms of children like can someone with um because this is all kind of relatively new research could someone who's 30 years old with autism you know, you know, and I understand a lot of people are diagnosed late as well. Yeah. Um, can they start doing these same um, social uh, exercises? Would it have the same effect? You know, is there much research in it from an adult standpoint? There's not as much research, no. Um, but like my classes are looking at hand-eye coordination, um, coordination with jumping. Um, running mechanics I suppose or running jumping throwing catching and crawling so if an adult with autism struggles with any of these areas I suppose these games or uh, actions would help 
Uh, it's just that they might progress a small bit quicker through them. Um, and like... The, even, the adults would. Yeah, I, I think they would, yeah. Uh, like if they've got to a stage in adulthood um, where they can get through a day um, or go through their normal day-to-day -day routine, um, I suppose like they could manage it, but they'll go through it a lot quicker. Um, but it's just trying to progress the, the games and start from a point where they are at the minute. Um, so like if it is that they can't catch, well then we'll try and coach catching. And then in a couple of weeks, well then maybe they might be out on the football field uh, or playing basketball, you know? Yeah, yeah, there you go. And um, do you find, do you come across a kind of a lack of, I wouldn't say ignorance, but a lack of education um, based on what you're doing here when you tell someone, you know, what you're, what you're doing here at the moment? Like the biggest thing I get um, from everyone is a kid won't be able to do one hour of exercise. Um, now, like when you come in, you'll see that it isn't one hour full on running around. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not a full hour. Uh, like we have got our sitting time for showing the videos or the schedules or what's next. Um, so it's not a full hour. At the end, we do five minutes of flexibility stretches. Um, so that's the biggest thing I get is a kid won't be able to do it for an hour. Now, there are some kids that come in and they can't do the exercise for however long we're doing it for. Like most of the classes would range from 45 minutes to 50 minutes before the stretching. Um, like some kids can't actually do that amount of exercise. Um, but as time goes on, they will be able to, to progress it and up their time to last the full class. And again, it's the same as ourselves. Like if you go to um, any sort of a class, give it a, a spinning class, you might not be able to do the full amount of spinning that everyone else has been doing that have been taking part in the class. But as time goes on, you'll build up your tolerance to it and you'll be able to last the full class. The children are the exact same. Um, and like when people say to me about the, the 60 minutes, like it's recommended that children do 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity every day. Um, and whether the child has autism or doesn't have autism, it's it's still the same. Um, we, we tend to forget about that, I think, you know, and yeah. that's the same for us, yeah. you know, it's the same for everybody, you know. It, I, I often say, you know, that I've said a few times in the podcast, you know, it should be as important as work, you know, or it should come first, you know, to get in your, your bed every day. Yeah. But especially for the kids, and it obviously helps if you're doing it and your kids are seeing you doing it or, you know, leading by example in that way. Yeah. And I know as well, um, I was looking up uh, a video online um, about, uh, similar to, to this, um, it was a child with autism and they, they had him doing, you know, the Superman pose, yep. um, where they're down on fours and the right arm went up and the left leg went out. And they said it's very beneficial for to work on both sides of the brain and de development. Is that, is that kind of the thinking behind the same exercises you do as well? Yeah, uh, I think I know actually where the, where the video came from or that, that video. Um, I, like I suppose that's more so um, muscle building. Uh, mine would be more on the games based. Um, that would be more one-on-one. -on -one. And like I have no problem, I could do something like that with a child. Uh, and it would be beneficial to build muscle tone because it is one area that children with autism. Uh, and I suppose a lot of children these days um, are lacking in muscle tone. Um, uh, but that's just down to society at the minute where it's going. I think in general, yeah, um, there are a lot of kids, I suppose video games are, are more so 
on the trend now whereas when we were younger you were kind of told get outside and play in the muck yeah um, I suppose your immune system for you higher as well kind of yeah exactly um but like in here we are doing exercises and uh, i put up a video yesterday on on instagram with uh, a ball squeeze and a jump um and that would be the the muscle contraction so it would be kind of similar to the exercise that that you saw the video on um so we were doing two different or working on two different things so the jump and then a muscle contraction for for the glutes um but that was just more so for jump and balance so two things two things at once um and like you said working on two sides of the brain yeah uh, do you have an age range um for the classes that we're doing at the minute we can we just tend to work with four to twelve at the minute um now i have had a few requests for older um i haven't haven't put too much thought or, or work into it at the minute. It's quite a big um, age range anyway, isn't it? It is, it is a big age range, yeah. Um, and it's just, I, I suppose it's just coming from the primary school age, that's that's where we're, where we're working at. Um, but as you, you get older, um, getting into the teen teenage years, like you're getting children who have autism that are bigger, um, both width-wise and height-wise, uh, and are stronger. So it's down to more working more prep behind the scenes for that um with trying to understand their triggers i suppose if if a child is to hit out at you um i've had chairs thrown at me children spit at me um so things like that if you have a, a bigger child um or a bigger teenager uh it's just trying to i suppose understand where or what might trigger that behavior um more down to a safety point of view for myself and uh, any volunteers that are with me as well. Yeah, and I'd imagine like that it can be difficult or challenging work for for them reasons. You know, um, I talk on the podcast about the concept of truth, and um, I suppose it has different meanings for different people in some ways. Like I, I'm, it's kind of what I'm asking them is where they're getting their motivation from, uh, doing what they're doing. Like I'm personally motivated by. You know the kind of feel good feeling of being healthy and, and running and eating well and um, also i have um more motivated i have a kind of more devout kind of christian in the last few years and i think that gives me a better you know motivation and, and, and appreciation for life and family and friends and things like that and um, so i'm just what motivates you personally working with these children and probably in your own life as well yeah like um with the children just seeing a child come out of themselves, breaking that shell. Um, like you wouldn't believe when a child comes in here first, they might be kicking and screaming. Uh, now some some of them just come in here and they're very quiet. Um, so again, they're different. But after a couple of weeks of that child knowing you and doing the exercises, just seeing them progress uh, and open up. Um, like I had some children who would stand maybe five, 10 steps away from me uh, when I start off with them first and then coming towards in the schools at the end of the eight weeks they have me tying their shoelaces um, and for me that's I suppose it's the little things that count uh, in this um, from the research point of view looking at their their fitness levels and behaviour levels changing um, and to see that I made this change for the child and it's improving them both academically um, in the classroom and uh, improving then their fitness levels to I hope uh, for them to carry on exercise and have a better quality of life later on uh, down the line that's kind of my 
whole uh, motivation. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty good. But you also have um, the Craig Coffee kind of fitness as well. Also, where this was probably before you, you started up the autism. Is that yeah, right? it um, is. Yeah, and you because I seen you were kind of had GAA programs on it, and, and you had you were qualified in sports science. Your background, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, where where uh, can you tell me a bit about the, your own fitness? Yeah. So like. Um, as a child growing up, uh, like I'd done every sport possible. Um, I, I actually can't remember spending too much time at home when we were younger. Saturdays or Sundays, we're always out uh, playing sports. Exactly, be it football, athletics, basketball, hurling, whatever, whatever was on, we were there. Um, but as I went through the teenage years, then I, I kind of found my my sport was athletics and high jump, um, and. Uh, I suppose that was my my love until I got injured, uh, and when I did get injured, then um, I kind of just wanted to stick with the sport, and that's where I went into the sports science uh, four years in IT Carlo, um, and um, I suppose in second year I got involved with GA teams um, doing strength and conditioning. Uh, I was an assistant coach for strength and conditioning in second year, um, and then I kind of just wanted to do it myself third and fourth year and uh, since then I, I, I've been working with GA teams um, and I suppose again it's 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 the same kind of principle behind it that motivates me is kind of seeing from beginning to, to start or from beginning to, to finish um, kind of the improvements um, and that's what motivated me first in my own sport um, coming from a point where you might train five, six days a week and then being able to, to jump uh, a certain height. Um, you see an end goal uh, and then trying to improve on that uh, week on week. Where can you kind of fit in more sessions, more time to try and improve the the end goal? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so you can kind of see where your um, your process of thinking came from with it, you know, yeah. from the athletic side. And you've also been involved in couple of international conferences haven't you on the sports side of things and also on the autism side of things yeah so like they, they've all been for for the autism uh they have sorry yeah um but i suppose i'm trying to fit it into as many conferences as i as i can um so at this time last year i was at uh, the World Autism Conference uh, so that was specifically more so behavioral wise um with my research um, and that was in Texas um, so I had a pre presentation it was an hour long uh, oh, wow. an hour long an hour long yeah it was it was a long a long presentation um, and my first international one as well um, at that um, and then we also had a, a poster presentation um, so I had my my supervisor from college over there as well so she took a small bit of the presentation off me so it was it was a small bit easier than the hour um, then most or recently uh, we were in Orlando uh, at the American College of Sports Medicine. Uh, so that was more the sports side of it uh, and trying to show that sport improves fitness levels uh, in children with autism. Um, so we had a poster presentation over there. Um, it's a big place, isn't it? Because I often see a lot of journal references coming from that. Place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's big enough now, so it is. Um, so... That was a, it was probably the longest conference I've been to, so it was five days, um, early starts, late finishes. Um, so it's probably, it, at the start of the Masters, it was the, the one to go to, um, and hopefully I can get back there in another two years anyway. Um, 
so yeah, they've they've been two international ones. I suppose I was at Autistica as well uh, in Reading, um, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that was pure uh, autism uh, conference. Um, so another presentation for uh, the effects on exercise on on fitness levels and behaviour. Is that a new concept? Um, it is. It is relatively new. Um, like there are there are a lot of. I suppose journal articles published um, on different sports or different activities, um, but there, there's not enough out there. Um, and I suppose that's how the research has come about, and the research is still going, uh, and how I'm progressing to the PhD because there isn't enough research out there on uh, exercise. And specifically, what we're doing is the the school-based exercise intervention, and it's a group uh, intervention as well. Um, like I was saying, that most of the research out there has been done on uh, single sports um, rather than in groups. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you you, you mentioned there that uh, during your athletics you got injured. Mm -hmm. What what injury did you pick up? Uh, so I tore my patellar tendon. Um, that was just it was more of an overuse injury. Um, so it's the tendon that goes from your quads over your kneecap um, and down into the tibia. Uh, so I tore, I think it was a, there was a nine millimeter, I think, uh, tear in it. Now, I I had a, a PRP, which is a plasma-rich platelets injection. So basically, take blood from your own body, uh, spin it to get the plasma-rich platelets, and then inject it back into your knee to try and improve or uh, increase the healing process. Um, yeah, so I had that done twice. Um, now I did actually get back from from the injury, um, but ended up having other problems elsewhere in the body, uh, ankles specifically. Um, so I suppose trying to rehab back from them, continue on with college, uh, the strength and conditioning work, the exercise and autism. It just I suppose something had to give. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was the one thing. Just I couldn't commit enough time to, to train and to such a, a technically um, sport with the, the high jump, yeah. uh, different areas that you have to work on. Yeah, I'd say it's impactful hitting the ground even you know uh, time after time or yeah. You um, said that with, you know bungee jumpers, you know their knees give way even though they're slowly hitting the ground. It's just the the impact of coming down. Yeah, and I suppose we're we're fragile. I know. You know, we're often looked at as the generation we're a lot more fragile than they used to be. But I don't know if that's necessarily true because when you think of, like you're saying, we're picking up all these injuries up, like um, from sports, and you know, I know the importance of stre stretching and all that. But still, you can still pick them all up. But um, like years ago, they still had the same injuries. You know, you think of an old farmer years ago, but yeah. he didn't walk with, with an upright posture and like that. You know, he a lot of people limped around the place and had beat up hands and you know bad arms and legs didn't live very long you know it's yeah. not as if we're more fragile than anybody else you know but i guess the sports science is great for that kind of thing you know yeah and like, new, like I, I myself had um my right leg seized on me earlier in the year and i was trying to train for the ring of kerry and um i went into a physio and she did the dry needling and i don't know if it sounds like uh, you know it was i thought it was my knee but it actually was a muscle running from my my thigh into my knee and fixed it you know and yeah. I, I, I was fully convinced i'd done my knee and something like that but it wasn't it was a muscle leading into there it sounds like similar to you know your own but um the sports science helps an awful lot because like if you went to a doctor years ago and said my knee's killing me 
they would have been searching that for ages where she's like right I think I know where it is and it's actually the muscle leading into your knee and this is a little specified needle and she went in and hit the nerve and it reset the muscle and I was away I was running that weekend you know it's yeah. amazing what they you know can pick up a lot of people think that sports science isn't that important or but it's still an amazing thing and it's helping people relieve amazing they, you know their pain is just going away and they're able to run and able to get back to everything I had chin sprints for years could not do over five kilometers and couldn't do two runs in a week because my legs were just you know shaking yeah. with the pain and uh, just between doing the proper stretching you know and and, and getting I had the the muscle stripped out you know the physio and uh, you know I can run four or five times a week you know and all of a sudden I'm improving you know but it is like it's it's so important for them kind of things isn't the sports right? yeah and it's it's becoming a, a big area um, even if you look back at the All Ireland hurling, hurling final. Um, I think Shemi Callanan referenced his athletics coach, uh, and like just down to technical bits of running mechanics or movements. Um, your strength and conditioning team. Um, it's it's all becoming a big area of sport. Um, and trying to get into the gym. That's nearly the big thing now. Uh, to try and become bigger better faster stronger um and mentally prepare yourself for what you're going to do on i suppose on the pitch uh, and that's the biggest thing at the minute um coming out and there's a lot of strength and conditioning coaches sports scientists um i'm doing it myself in sports yeah, yeah exactly uh, and like you're coming out you're you're doing it at the right time because there's a lot of jobs there um and there's i suppose there's a need for them now uh, and every team is going to have to go down this route to to try and be as good as the Dublin teams that are that are there are, and are coming out. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose like it it helps longevity as well. You know, athletes who don't want to go around limping after ten years of running on the road, or, or you know, or you know, they can get their injury sorted straight away. We know what it is. We know how to fix it. We know exactly what you need to do right, and they're putting corrective measures in straight away almost. Um, and it's helping people, not just sport sport athletes, like the likes of, you know, you, you were saying about um, even talking about the mechanics that you go through here, you know, yep. the mechanics of running and things like that, you know, it's so important, even at the base level there to learn that, like we weren't taught that, you know, growing up, like, yeah. you know, I didn't know for a long time I was running incorrectly or I was coming down heavy on my heel or, or things like that, you know, they, they might sound like small things, but they affect you massively, you know. Big time, and like, uh, one of the things I love to bring out here in the classes the just footwork ladders um and when i show a video to parents or teachers um some of them look at the video and say my child won't be able to do that exercise or won't be able to perform that through the ladders um and then a couple of minutes later they're, they're shocked the children can do it uh, and just that footwork trying to to i suppose plant the seed on getting the child to to run or go quick through uh, a ladder and I suppose move the feet quicker uh, and take them up off the ground rather than standing uh, on every ladder or standing incorrectly I suppose. Yeah fair play. So you, you do it here a few times a week is that right? Uh, and in the schools? Yeah so I'm here Saturdays twice a week uh, so there's two classes on a Saturday uh, and then in, um, so for the college for me uh, for the masters or the phd uh, i'm in schools three days a week so monday wednesday and friday okay that's uh, so we, we're saying here but it's actually um 
Is the, the slattery you go to the state? Is this what it's called? Uh, Slatey. Slatey. Slatey, yeah. yeah, sorry. yeah. yeah. Um, and I suppose you're also online on the Instagram and Facebook as well. Yeah. Um, and maybe now you might be able to run through a couple of exercises you do if I take the handheld camera and you can just uh, run just a brief so we can just visualize that ourselves um, what you do here. Yeah. Wrap it up, yeah. yeah. Fair play, appreciate you talking to me on it. Well, thanks a million for having me. Fair play, thanks a lot. Thank you. So this one then is squash the cone. So basically I just want the children to jump with two feet onto each cone. Uh, we have a big problem with children will only step or jump on one foot. Um, so this is just more of a, a visual and a, then a sensory thing to I suppose get their behaviour out if they want a, a bad behaviour and jump and squash the cone. And just going through every cone. And then we have some children that won't take a step and they'll just keep jumping through for the three minutes. So. So three things they tell the children is tip, tap and keep the balloon up um, and I suppose it's to try and first get them to keep the balloon up themselves and like coordination then to try and play with another child and then hopefully we can introduce a volleyball type exercise. So just trying to keep the balloon up so they can stand first and then we can get them moving around the room, keeping the eye on the balloon and trying to keep it up. And then we can progress it like with no hands, so I'm using knees or feet. Uh, so then another one is a jump with a ball squeeze. So ball in between the knee and then squeeze. So that's muscle contraction of the, the glutes. And then just uh, some children can't jump, so we get them just to walk while squeezing the ball without falling out. Uh, and then other children will try and get them to jump as well as squeezing the ball and trying to go further with that. 